growing up, my granddad always used to tell us how he built everything that he has from the ground up. I and, mean, you know, it's something we, we were all proud of. But I come to find out that he had a lot of help, a.k.a. slaves. And he had a lot of kids, a.k.a. he used to rape or at least sleep with his slaves. And then he kind of went on like a little monologue of breaking down like what those actions did to the slaves and and a couple of generations of. So when Justin Bartha's character was was like, you know, but I lost my my job. I lost my my place to live. I lost my wife, my kid. Then E's character responds and tells him it's a similar position that we put them in. Happy New Year, y'all. Welcome to 2023 and to the Spun Today podcast, the only podcast that is anchored in writing, but unlimited in scope. I'm your host, Tony Ortiz, and I appreciate you listening. In this episode, I speak about seasons three and season four, which is the final season of Atlanta. And I also speak about my experience with my new VR headset, a little Christmas gift to myself that I am enjoying. Stay tuned for all that good stuff in this first episode of 2023. But before we jump into the episode, I want to ask you guys and gals a question. Being that it's 2023 and it's a new you, a 2023 version of you, I want to ask, is podcasting one of your new goals for 2023? A New Year's resolution, perhaps? If so, I want to tell you guys a great way to get started while also supporting the show at the same time. And then we'll jump right into the episode. Do you want to start your own podcast? Have a great show idea that you want to get out into the masses, but don't know quite how to get it from your head out into the world? Well, here's how. Use the podcast host, Libsyn. That's who I use to bring the Spun Today podcast to you. And now you can use them the same way. Using the promo code SPUN, S-P-U-N, you can open up your Libsyn account today and get two months of free podcast hosting. Here's how it works. Once you record your show, you upload it to your Libsyn account, where you can fill in your episode notes, upload your podcast art, and schedule when you want your episodes to release. Once you do that, Libsyn will take care of the rest. They'll distribute your show to Spotify, Apple Podcasts, YouTube, and all the other podcatchers that you choose, instantaneously and seamlessly. Again, go to Lipson.com and use the promo code SPUN, S-P-U-N, to get two months free. Or use the affiliate link that's in the episode notes. Again, that's Lipson.com, promo code SPUN. Take that great podcast idea from out of your head and put it out into the world. Atlanta's season three and season four. I've spoken about seasons one and two in the past. And honestly, I thought I had seen season three. I've been so behind on like movies and shows that I wanted to watch that by the time I got around to Atlanta to catch up, I had missed two seasons. Atlanta is an FX original show that you can also stream on Hulu. It was created by Donald Glover. More on him in a bit. But first, I want to give you guys the official synopsis in case you're not familiar with the show. And as usual, shout out the writers. Atlanta is a half hour show that debuted in 2016 spanned four seasons which ended this past year in 2022 and here's the official synopsis Ern and his cousin alfred based in atlanta try to make their way in the world through the rap scene along the way they come face to face with social and economic issues touching on race relationships poverty status and parenthood and as we do always here on the spun today podcast I want to shout out each and every one of the writers because, as you know, as I've said in the past, it's my humble opinion that the writers are the heartbeat, the brain power, the source, the soul, the essence of everything, every TV show, movie, etc. that we enjoy. Sure, the directors and showrunners and producers and actors and behind the scenes folks all play a part all sprinkle their seeds over what eventually blossoms into a final product but none of it would exist again in my humble opinion 
without that initial germ of an idea put down on paper. So shout out to each and every one of the writers, starting with number one, the creator, Donald Glover, followed by Jamal Olori, Stephen Glover, which is Donald Glover's brother, Ibra Aki, Taufik Kolade, Stephanie Robinson, Fam Udiorgi, Francesca Sloan, Janine Nabbers, Karen Joseph Adcock, and Jordan Temple. Thank each and every one of you very much for putting together one of the best series that I've seen in a very long time. Now, circling back to Donald Glover, he is a creative juggernaut. I mean, I know a lot of what he's done, but in preparation for this, I was just going through his IMDb and I'm even more in awe of him. He's so multifaceted from writing to stand-up comedy to music to acting, and he does each at an extremely high level, if not the highest. He writes all his own music. He wrote on a ton of different like comedy shows, series, type of things like the uh, College Humor originals, UCB Comedy originals, Comedy Central Presents, etc. He wrote on 23 episodes of 30 Rock and became an executive story editor there. He wrote on all episodes and created, obviously, Atlanta, which has gone on to win six primetime Emmys and a bunch of other awards. Guys, it's super talented. That's just writing alone. If between now and when I die, I had these many writing credits, and I hope, by the way, that the time period between now and when I do die spans several decades, <laughs> at least. Um, but if I had these writing credits and accomplishments... I would die fulfilled in that aspect of my life. And it's crazy because he's also done so much more. He's done a stand-up comedy, a special, which I actually remember watching before, way before I was like heavy into stand-up, where I watched it, where I am now, where I'm a fan of a ton of comics, I follow them, I watch different specials all the time, etc. But I actually remember watching his stand-up comedy special called Weirdo out in Massachusetts when I had first started dating my wife. This was like... 10, 11, 12 years ago, something like that. The special came out in, in 2012 and it was really good. I remember it being really good and I rewatched a couple clips in preparation for this and it's something that you, or at least in my opinion, I felt like if comedy was all that he did and focused solely on that, he'd definitely be in that top tier echelon of comics that we speak about today. He obviously has those chops. Then on the acting side, he's done everything from TV to movies again at the highest levels uh the show community that he was on for several years it's uh, not a show that i ever watched to be honest but i know it's a very popular syndicated show it was in movies like the martian and spider-man homecoming star wars and the list goes on and on again all top tier shit then on the music side he's put out a bunch of commercial and critical successes smashes like redbone and this is America, which was like the soundtrack for social commentary on gun violence here in the U.S. And was just lyrically and visually, like the music video, masterful. So he's absolutely a dope, top tier, creative juggernaut, like I said before. And I feel like Atlanta, his, his creation, his brainchild, is an example of a show where the powers that be the studios, the execs, the network, etc. Got the fuck out of the way and let the creator create. And in doing so, gave us this truly experimental, creative masterpiece of a show. And I say experimental in that although there is this through line throughout the four seasons of where we are following Earn, which is Donald Glover's character, and his cousin Alfred, aka Paperboy, which is the rapper, played by Brian Tyree Henry. And the other two main characters, Darius, which is their close friend, played by Lakeith Stanfield, and Van, which is Earn's baby mama slash love interest throughout the series on and off, played by Zazie Beats. Although we are following them through that arc that I mentioned within the official synopsis section, where Paperboy is the rapper that's trying to make it and Earn is his manager, who is himself trying to figure out the whole managing and promotion aspects of the rap game while Paperboy creates his art. 
although that is a clear through line throughout the four seasons sprinkled throughout we have a ton of different episodes that in a lot of ways have nothing to do with those arcs that's where well with that story arc and at the same time are like little short films in and of themselves that thoughtfully take on fleshing out the different social and economic issues mentioned before like race and relationship issues and poverty and status and being a parent and trying to make it and trying to figure your own shit out etc etc and another dope layer to the show that i saw a really great breakdown on i want to say a couple years ago now so i wish i I could remember the the video that i saw if i do i'll I'll link to it in the episode notes but again it's been a couple years but this guy reviewed either season one or, or or two and broke down how the show is also playing with a concept of surrealism where everything in the reality of the show seems a little bit off and sometimes absurd, kind of dreamlike even. And that's an additional interesting layer that this show has going on. Now, before I wrap up, I just want to tell you guys about a few different takeaways from different episodes throughout seasons three and four that I thought were either really creative or resonated with me for one reason or another. And spoiler alert, if you haven't watched seasons three or four. Oh, and what's crazy creative about the show as well is that there are entire episodes where the four main characters that I mentioned a bit ago are not even in the episode at all, which is the case with this first one that I want to tell you guys about that actually starred my friend Doug from The Hangover, Justin Bartha. And it's a sh- it's an episode where they played around with the idea of reparations and what that would actually look like in practice in today's society and it's cool how they made certain things like absurd and over the top for example a character by the name of Shaniqua went played by Melissa Youngblood went to Marshall Johnson's job that's the the character name played by Justin Bartha and demanded reparations from him specifically because she traced back through her lineage that his great-grandfather owned her great great grandfather and then she arbitrarily stated that he now owes her three million dollars you know he's a nine to five cubicle job <laughs> worker guy so he's like three million dollars this is this is absurd you know <laughs> and we pretty much um throughout the episode follow him around and the stuff that he's dealing with in his life like uh, a divorce or separation from his wife co-parenting with his daughter dealing with this job that he doesn't like and then this lady showing up at his job saying that he owes her three million dollars and then showing up at his house finding out where he lives and saying oh this is a nice apartment this is mine now and i feel like that's like highlighting the or an absurd version of an implementation of reparations where there's no real like rhyme or reason to the amounts or who gets what and from who and why but it's completely up to the whim of the person doing the accusing like there was uh, another co-worker of his that was walking around with a t-shirt that said i owned slaves on it and you heard uh like when he walked by this guy's character was like why would he wear something like that what why would he like call attention to himself like that and then the other co-worker told him oh he got off easy the family that took him to court for for their reparations just told him that he had to wear that shirt twice a week and one of the days had to be a sunday and like that was his version of reparations which by the way a genius thing within that is that line of dialogue just like that throwaway line of him having to wear that shirt uh, twice a week but and then adding one day has to be a sunday i don't know why i just thought that was genius <laughs> just like that level of, of specificity there then you have other examples of how reparations kind of works like child support tax and how people once they have the amount of what they quote unquote owe their wages get garnished similar to like a child support would for like a deadbeat dad or so or someone that wasn't paying their their child support and that was definitely an interesting approach to it and it does really get the conversation going or the questions out there of if something like reparations came to be how would that look how would it be implemented it's definitely interesting to to think about 
And then, so in this episode, we're, you know, following him going through his life and he seems like a hardworking guy. He's trying to fix things with his wife, with his uh, estranged wife, takes care of his daughter, touches on parenting in this episode when the daughter also asks the father if they're racist because they're white, which to me is alluding to the whole, you know, debate on, you know, critical race theory and stuff like that and those types of teachings in school. And him wrestling with trying to figure out how to explain to his daughter, no, you know, we're not racist, but our ancestor did some racist ass shit back in the day. And then you start feeling for the guy because like Shaniqua just like took his apartment. <laughs> he just showed up one day after work and she was having a barbecue there with a bunch of family and ran him out of there. And he went to go stay in a hotel. And then we get the perspective of another white guy that he kind of like finally confides in and kind of tells him how like unfair he thinks this whole reparations thing is and the white guy does the opposite of what we or at least me as an audience member expected and the dude he was talking to looked like if i'm being honest and stereotypical he looked like a racist white dude and i think that's why he felt comfortable enough with telling him that he didn't agree with this uh, reparations thing and it came off like a like a taboo, to, you know, topic to like touch on because there's like a lot of like virtue signaling going on that you notice throughout the show, throughout the episode, similar to now on like social media. Like, for example, his wife texted him and she used like she was using like black emojis. <laughs> it was like what? <laughs> his white wife. Um, but anyway, going back to this conversation the guy is actually on the side of you know he's like pro reparations this white guy racist looking white guy and that character by the way is named e played by tobias siegel and then justin bartha's character is kind of like well, why, why i don't i don't understand i don't get it why I, I lost my wife i lost my kid i lost my place and the guy starts bringing out to him he was like growing up my granddad always used to tell us how he built everything that he has from the ground up. I and, mean, you know, it's something we, we were all proud of. But I want to find out that he had a lot of help, a.k.a. slaves. And he had a lot of kids, a.k.a. he used to rape or at least sleep with his slaves. And then he kind of went on like a little monologue of breaking down like what those actions did to the slaves and and a couple of generations of so when Justin Bartha's character was was like, you know, but I lost my my job, I lost my my place to live, I lost my wife, my kid. Then E's character responds and tells him it's a similar position that we put them in, which is kind of like a mic drop moment right there, right? It's like fuck, that's so twisted but so true. And then just from a what the fuck from left field thing that this show does very well as well. Right after that conversation. He walks outside and he's by the pool, puts a pistol to his head and blows his brains out. And that to me was like the perfect example of an episode that in and of itself felt like a movie within these 30 minutes of an episode and is a great example of one of the episodes where you touch on a touch of social commentary and also has zero to do with the overall arc of the show and includes none of the main characters. And it was still an amazing episode. Another one of my favorite episodes from season three, episode five, it's called Cancer Attack. Now, the crew different from like the first couple seasons where they're like grinding and, you know, trying to make it in season three, they've made it. So Paper Boy's this big star. Earn is like on his management game. Everything seems to be flowing and working the way the way it's supposed to. Darius is with the crew always setting the stage for an interesting adventure. And in this episode, they had just finished a concert in Budapest and then Paperboy loses his phone. And there was this one guy that they were like really suspicious of that was like hanging around backstage. They weren't sure who it was. It turns out to be like the nephew of the owner of the venue. They are fixated on the fact that he, this guy has the phone. And it's a really suspenseful episode, which I think says more about us as an audience than anything else that we're so invested in paperboy finding his phone you know it's like you put yourself in that position and imagine you losing your phone or something like that but that aside they do like ratchet up the tension and there's a point where they start interrogating they get the 
owner of the venue to call his nephew back or to get the number for, for his nephew. And then they wind up like trying to coerce him into coming back to the venue just so they could speak to him. And he does wind up coming back, but he says that he doesn't have the cell phone. And they're all like really skeptical of him. And Paperboy had this one-on-one interrogation dialogue with him. And it's just a, a great scene. Visually, it looks great. There's like a warehouse kind of anything can happen vibe to it. And I'm a sucker for for dialogue, right? Like long monologues, back and forth dialogue. To me, I just see it as like a you know tennis match between the party speaking. And the dude that plays that character was so weird and so believable. He did an amazing job. Played the character of Wiley. His name is Samuel Blinken. And he still holds to the fact that he, you know, doesn't hold the, doesn't know, doesn't have the phone, doesn't know where it is. But Paperboy is getting upset because he's realizing that a lot of what the guy is saying, and he's like weird and going off on tangents and just like meandering in conversation, while at the same time sprinkling in like deep shit, like everyone just wants to be seen. But in the stuff that he's telling Paperboy, Paperboy knows where he's getting it from. And it's from like notes that he has on his phone from, you know, like old songs that were never released or anything like that, that were only on that phone. So he knows he has the phone. And that's just such a dope episode. And so interesting in that, again, they draw us into a seemingly innocuous situation and we get really invested in it. That's just a testament to, again, the setting, the scene, the dialogue, the writing that you can be like so interested in the whereabouts of somebody else's cell phone. Then there's an episode called White Fashion and it's playing with the idea to me. It's playing with the idea of like cultural appropriation amongst other things. And Paperboy and a few other like uh, popular influencers being asked to be the faces of to be the faces of this uh, fashion brand and they're all minorities. And it's like a super high end think like um, you know Louis Vuitton or uh, LBMH owns Louis Vuitton and Bernard Arnault is the chairman of all that. And this white owned company is looking to get into this black and minority market by having their biggest stars and influencers wear their clothes. And then there's a, a dope exchange between Earn and Paperboy, where Earn is telling him that he should be asking for more, not just like a, a cash payment and some free clothes, because Paperboy is like, uh, telling them you know yeah you know uh, rock your clothes but i need you know five tailored suits i need you know x amount of sneakers x amount of shoes i need you know xyz gives them like a laundry list of like a bunch of different clothing and they say yes to everything and there's a funny quick aside while uh paper is getting measured uh by the uh, french tailor um he just tells the guy gracias when he's done <laughs> which is hilarious because obviously the guy's french but uh during this Ern is telling him listen you should ask for more you should ask for a board seat um, so you could like learn the infrastructure of how this fashion thing works and then use that information to reinvest in, in, in your community, etc. And then Paperboy just tell, tells Earn, they kill that nigga. The one that wants to sit on, uh, sit on the on the board and learn the infrastructure and reinvest in his own community. I don't want that. That dude gets killed. So I'd rather just get some free drip. Keep it moving. <laughs> this is an interesting uh, juxtaposition there. Then again, in playing within this world of cultural appropriation and or this topic, rather, uh, Darius is looking for some Nigerian food there in London and he's looking for some Nigerian food. And he hears of this restaurant and he winds up taking a lady that was there in the fashion house. That was uh, her job was to get everybody, you know, the food that they wanted and stuff like that. And Darius tells her that he wants some some Nigerian food. She doesn't know where to get what he wants. He finds a place and he winds up taking her and they have lunch there. And like, she loves it. She's like raving about it. You know, everybody there is, you know, it's an authentic like Nigerian spot. The people there eating for the most part are all black people. It's black owned. The staff is black. And Darius is there with this white lady and telling, you know, putting her onto Nigerian culture and she just loves it. And then, you know, she asks the owner of the restaurant if she could have her card because she would love to work with her one day and maybe she can help you know, uh, promote her restaurant and stuff like that. And uh, she's excited. She gives it to her. Then fast forward, long story short, Darius winds up going back to that spot uh, a few days later. And he sees that the restaurant is boarded up and there's a Nigerian food truck outside. 
and the lady that he took there to have lunch with is inside the food truck and he's kind of like what what the hell what happened um what's going on where's uh so-and-so uh, the owner of the the restaurant and the white lady is uh, is like oh i'm not sure um I, I, I honestly i haven't seen her since since the last time we came here uh, to have lunch but i did i was able to get in touch with the landlord of the building and i was able to, uh, to purchase it and take it over and it's much more efficient to have a food truck than a brick and mortar uh place so once i took over the property i shut it down and then opened up this Niger this nigerian food truck you got to try it because the clientele around here loves the nigerian food like you told me and this and that and blah 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 blah. And she's like so hype and stuff and darius is like what the fuck and he's like upset at himself for technically participating in this hostile takeover aka gentrification of the original nigerian restaurant that was there there was a, like a really interesting take then there's another episode that i really liked uh season three episode seven it's called trini to the bone trini to the bone where again none of the none of the main characters are in it it follows this power couple that has a little boy he's probably around five six seven years old who is pretty much raised by his nanny who's trinidadian and this is a trope that you see often um, especially here in new york where you have a white child that is with a black or latino or asian nanny and then this couple who is wrapped up in in their careers comes to realization that they don't know as much about their kid as they thought they knew when the nanny winds up dying and they knew almost close to nothing uh, about the nanny like she took care of everything and they knew nothing about her and then but the kid knew a lot a lot about her loved her and knew a lot about her her culture etc and the family winds up going to the funeral and it's like this culture shock for them meanwhile the kid is loving it because he's like in this culture that the nanny's always told him about and raised him on but the parents it's like a bit of a shell shock situation for them but the funniest thing that happened in this episode is that chet hanks is in it and he plays a member of of the family or a close friend of the family and he speaks in that you know thick jamaican like trini accent that chet hanks <laughs> has spoken in in the past and like rapped in and shit and the mother asks him where he's from he's and he's like i'm from tribeca um and she was like i would have never thought with that you know you have a very heavy heavy accent and then he says kind of like dumbfounded he's like everybody says that which is just like a hilarious moment if you know like the backstory of like chet hanks is tom hanks's son one of his sons and rita wilson's he has these like reggae rap heavy jamaican accent songs <laughs> and would, like talk like that often and it was like a thing for a minute and then for him to like lean into it and play play into it and I actually heard him on a podcast he was on the fighter and the kid and he spoke about how like donald glover reached out to him and and asked him if he, he would do that part and he obliged obviously so that's just a, a testament to again to donald glover and his creativity and his ability to have like a pulse on pop culture and things that are going on there's so many takeaways folks from this show and these last two seasons i highly highly recommend i just have a few more that i want to share with you guys this is there's an interesting episode where they're in amsterdam again they're doing this like european like rap tour and darius and paperboy you know go around to like explore amsterdam Ern is doing his own thing he had bumped into van who was randomly in europe and they're trying to you know work on their relationship and stuff like that but the episode focuses on the episode focuses on paperboy and darius darius gives paperboy some drug i don't know what i don't remember what it was if it was like molly or i think it was like acid or some, something like that but long story short he winds up uh beginning to trip he bumps into this like random woman named lorraine played by ava gray after he like ducks into this like jazz club and she's like really intrusive and kind of rude and but as the story goes on, he's like avoiding her and gets away from her, but she finds him again and she's like asking him questions. And the whole time this is going on, you wind up realizing that she's like, or at least to me, the like the personification of the trip that he's having, the drug trip that, that she's having. And she's asking him questions, like introspective questions about his career and his finances and stuff like that. She asks, who owns your masters? Do you even know? Why do you have family watching your finances? And she like kind of represents his mother in that way. And my favorite takeaway from this episode is that at the end, 
you know, he has these these questions that he just even thought of to to think up as questions. And he asks Ern, who's his manager, once they're back at the hotel, he's like, yo, who owns my masters? And then Ern tells him, you do. I negotiated that for you in your contract. And that's so ill to see that it didn't go the other way, that it went the way that it should go. And that Ern is so on top of his game that he knows from a management perspective to do that. Because you hear so many stories of like rappers and artists and, and industries just getting taken advantage of by you know, contracts and the legalese within them and just signing their rights away in perpetuity, et cetera, et cetera. So that was uh, dope and refreshing to see it go the right way. Then fast forward to season four, episode two. The episode is called The Homeliest Little Horse. And in this episode, there's a sick revenge story <laughs> in this arc that Ern goes on that I'm not going to ruin. But it's really dope how that came together. But I wanted to highlight a couple of lines of dialogue that I really, really enjoyed. And Ern is in this episode. Um, you see him on a couple of therapy sessions and you see the back and forth between him and his therapist. And his therapist asks him who he trusts. And I really liked what he said because I agree with him for the most part. And he says that I trust people to be themselves based on their incentives and what they rationalize. And I think we all do that to some extent. Then I don't remember if it was him or his therapist, probably his therapist that said uh, something else in this episode, which was that spite is powerful. It's a pure, powerful thing, which is definitely true. If that powerfulness goes in a positive or negative direction, that's a different thing, but it's definitely a powerful thing. And lastly, another line, which is that uh, anxiousness and anger, you can't accomplish your goals with those. They're definitely not helpful. And it's a good uh, kind of like totem or, or quick reminder for ourselves whenever we are in an anxious or, or angry phase or mood, you definitely can't accomplish your goals with those. Then season four, episode six, there's an episode called Crank That Killer. And by the way, a ton more happens in each of these episodes. And there's a bunch of episodes that I'm skipping over. I'm just giving you guys sprinkles of moments that I really enjoyed. And here's two from this uh, specific episode. It takes place mainly in the mall. And there's this kid named Roberto, who's an aspiring rapper played by Adrian Mauro. And he works at the mall within the food court. You know, similar to all mall food court food courts, you have like the Asian spot, you have the Sabaros, you have a burger place or two and different options. Right. And there's one point that resonated because it's just like so true and apparently universally true of balls everywhere. Shout out to Queen Center Mall where this dude is passing by uh, Roberto's character, who's uh, working for one of the Asian spots, handing out the, you know, like the teriyaki chicken on, on a toothpick, like that's a free sample that they give out. And he just passes by and he's like, Nigga, everybody know what that tastes like. It just keeps walking. <laughs> I just thought that was hilarious. Then uh, Roberto finds out or he hears that Paperboy is in the mall. Like we're just getting around because he's like laying low in the mall or something like that. He's trying to avoid somebody. This girl that also works in the food court named Veronica, played by Yanelisa. Straight Dominican name right there. Shout out to her. Uh, Roberto tells her, are you serious? Paperboy's really here. I got to go, you know, spit for him. Can you cover for me? And, you know, he works at the Asian spot. And then he just, like, runs away to, like, go look for Paperboy. And she yells out. She's like, but I work at fucking Sabaro. <laughs> that was just a funny-ass scene to me. Season 4, Episode 7, called Snipe Hunt. Earn and Van. Van, again, played by Zazzy Beats. Finally have a open heart-to-heart -heart with each other. They reconcile and wind up getting back together and agree to give things another shot their daughter lottie played by austin l fisher who does an amazing job she throughout this episode because it mainly revolves around them and you know taking lottie out for her birthday for like a, a birthday weekend at a lake and earn like rents out the whole area and it's like really private and it's just them and they're going like above and beyond for her but lottie throughout the entire episode she seems like really sad at the news of you know her parents getting back together and her seeing them you know finally reconciling things she finally smiles and that's obviously showing like the familial impact of broken homes and how it you know directly affects obviously everyone involved but primarily the kids of those couples that split but that was definitely a good uh, closure moment and episode for those two characters 
then we have the final season four, episode 10, which I'm not going to spoil the ending for you because to be honest, I'm still processing it and want to see a few different breakdowns on it. Probably rewatch the episode as well. But I do want to leave you all with one takeaway from a dope scene between Darius, Lakeith Stanfield's character, and a lady he bumped into in the pharmacy when he was picking up some medication. Her name was Cree, played by Cree Summer, who has done, I feel like, more voiceover than anybody ever. <laughs> Looking at her IMDb, she was like Elmira from Tiny Toons. She did Rugrats, literally like 300 different things. She was on episodes of all like sitcoms like Living Single, Fresh Prince. But I know her mainly and recognize her mainly from A Different World where she played Freddy. Uh, she and Lakeith Stanfield's character have an impromptu conversation there. And they touch on having like anxiety or depression. And because that's a medication that Diary seemed to be picking up. And she starts telling him different ways that she has learned to like cope with things. And how she has felt out of place and that she had to fit in and stuff like that. And I want to leave you all with what she told him within that scene that really resonated with me, which was, quote, I realize that I'm a part of this world, too, and I'm allowed to dance in it like I want to. And I just thought that was so dope. And that, folks, was my little recap and review of Atlanta seasons three and season four. Definitely, definitely watch it. One of the best shows that I've seen in a long time. Absolute instant classic. Hats off against to Donald Glover and that whole team. Check it out once again on FX or stream it on Hulu. I want to tell you guys a little bit about my VR headset. I purchased a MetaQuest 2. That's the Facebook aka Meta headset. That's what it's branded now. Um, used to be the Oculus. For those of you that may be more familiar with that name. And I can say without a shadow of a doubt in my mind that we are definitely headed towards a ready player one type of reality in real world with how ubiquitous VR was in that world that Ernest Klein created for his amazing novel, which I've broken down before here on the Spun Today podcast, as well as the movie adaptation of that novel. But this type of tech is in its nascent stages. Like it feels like the Atari or Nintendo phase of where v VR is going. And you can already see its potential, in my opinion. Not all of it, but so much of it, a lot of it is really dope already. But when I think about factoring in, it's like exponential growth and like the technology and like the headset itself becoming less clunky and lighter, you know, similar to like cell phones, for example, take like that big, big ass brick Zach Morris phone versus the technology crammed within a thin, sleek, brand new iPhone in just what, a couple decades. It's an amazing contrast. And I feel like we're going to see that within this VR space. Now, they already have, for example, like the a VR headset called the, the Pro version. It's a little thinner. It's a little lighter, but it's also a lot more expensive. It's like twelve hundred bucks, I want to say, or more. And I got this MetaQuest 2 headset for three fifty, three hundred fifty bucks, which for what it is, honestly, it's not bad, in my opinion. I see it as, you know, like a video game console. And I know like Xboxes and Playstations and shit like that are around that same amount and maybe even a little bit more around the 500 mark 400 mark and i see this as like a different version of that like you can download games into it um it came with for example uh, resident evil which is a popular game in all like other platforms that i was never into not that big on like video games at all but from when i was you know i played similar games like tomb raider and the call of duty games and shit like that on like ps2 and like xboxes and shit like that but um What's cool is the immersive nature of these games. So it comes with these two, I'm sure you guys have seen it, but this like weird looking controllers that they look weird and like counterintuitive, but they're very intuitive when you start, you know, navigating within this VR space. And like the loops have sensors on it. So when you move your fingers, even if you're not pressing buttons, specifically, sometimes it like actually picks it up fairly well. So if you put like a thumbs up and, or point your finger and stuff like that, different games will pick that up. And in a, an example of a cool aspect of like the gameplay, for example, with Resident Evil, which is, again, a game that I was like never into, but playing it is cool because not only can you like look up and back and to your right and to your left, and you're like literally inside a video game. 
and you see everything and you're, you're like walking around but they have the option to make it like an immersive play where you don't like shoot by pressing a and you know punch by pressing b like you literally have to swing to punch and you have to grab at your hip and and press b in order to grab the gun and then you have to with your left hand grab the ammo clips and press y and and do the motion of putting the clip inside the gun and and cocking the gun before you're able to like shoot and stuff like that so it makes it that much more realistic and that aspect of it is really dope and the graphics of games like that are just like the graphics of like resident evil for example when you would see it on playstation or one of the other platforms for exercise it's pretty good as well it gets you moving around i, I tried the like creed boxing game which is pretty cool definitely work up a sweat beat saber is a fun game that I, I like playing it's like the you probably seen commercials for it it's like those red and blue boxes coming at you and you have like two swords and you have to like hit it from the top hit it from the side hit the red from the side hit the blue from the bottom and like stuff like that as it comes at you and you hear music in the background and that definitely works out of sweat there's a counter also by the way with you know within this uh fitness vein uh where it like counts the calories that you're burning like as you're playing and stuff like that which is pretty cool and then you have other things that are less on the like gamer side and but more of what i like like for example podcasts in vr you guys can like even if you don't have a vr headset right now you can like look on youtube for like my expert opinion for example is a, a podcast that i listen to math office podcast and that i watch on youtube and they have vr versions of some of their episodes and if you watch it on a computer you can like you know spin the camera and look around on the computer but if you're doing it with with a vr headset you literally feel like you're in the room because you're just like moving your head to look around and that's the purpose of those vr episodes of podcasts which is amazing for me you guys know how much uh, i love podcasts and i really like this other application called the big screen that has a ton of different settings of movie theaters like you can go to a movie theater from like the 80s or a modern movie theater or some like, futuristic movie theater that's like in space and like each individual room there's a different movie playing that somebody happens to be streaming like somebody started a room which you can start your own room and you know play a movie on there from your computer and invite your friends and you can watch movies together you can speak to each other and it really does look like a movie theater like you're looking around and you see the aisles and all the seats and the other people and the other people that you see up to 15 people max you can you know speak to you can talk to throughout the movie or you have the option of just like muting everybody so you don't hear anything except the movie which is definitely a great touch because those rooms wind up being like um a little reminiscent of like chat aol aim chat rooms and shit back in the day where people would just say like wild stupid shit and just like go into them to interrupt and stuff so that mute all function or you can individual individually select people that you want to mute is great you can also set up private rooms it's really really cool and lastly, I just want to say that I have an idea of an application of this technology in the future. And I'm sure it's not an original idea. Other people have probably had it, have had it as well. But I had the idea with or when hearing on a podcast, uh, someone speaking about a popular uh, power wash simulator game within VR where people, you know, they power wash the side of a house or a car or something like that. And I was thinking how ill it would be to have real life jobs and positions where you have actual machinery on one side and then on the other side you have folks on vr controlling that machinery so like picture that power washing game for example there's an actual machine that picks up the power washer and aims it and you know moves it however it is that you're doing it within the vr game but like have that be an actual job an actual you know form of employment not necessarily like the power wash thing but think of like dangerous mining jobs that require the precision of machinery but require the intuition of a human being and having the option of being able to do that virtually like that i think it is something that will scale in the future as this technology continues to develop itself and that folks has been my experience with a vr headset to date i definitely recommend them and that folks was episode 
224 of the Spontale podcast. I appreciate each and every one of you for listening. I hope you enjoyed it, got something out of it. Go watch Atlanta if you haven't already. If you also have a VR headset, hit me up on social media or reach out to me and let me know about your experience with it. I know I'm just like scraping the surface of it. Based on what I've seen though, I know that there are other types and brands of VR headsets, but they all interact like within the same space. And some folks that have other types of headsets can do different things that people with the the Oculus or like the, the Quest 2 cannot do. So I'm interested in hearing about that kind of stuff. But yeah, that's pretty much it, guys. I appreciate you again for listening. Please stick around for just a couple more minutes so I can tell you about a bunch of different ways you can help support this podcast, this show, which in turn helps me be able to create and produce more content. I'll check you out next time. Peace. What's up, folks? Tony here. I hope you're enjoying this podcast as much as I enjoy producing it for you. Here are a few quick ways you can help support this show. You can support the Spun Today podcast by going to spuntoday.com forward slash support. There you'll find my merch section where you can cop the iconic podcasts versus anybody t-shirt in a wide variety of different colors and all different sizes. Also, if you're into cycling, you can cop the super soft, comfortable, minimalist design Spun Today Bike Club t-shirt. Also available in a bunch of different colors and all different sizes. There are a few other designs of different types of t-shirts. Definitely go there and check it out. SpunToday.com forward slash support. It's the merch section. We can also get a dope coffee mug. I have coffee mugs with the brand new redesigned Spun Today logo on one side and the tagline that I end every show with on the other which is start taking steps in the general direction of your dreams. The mug is available in both black and white because we don't discriminate here at the Spun Today podcast. Again, go to spuntoday.com forward slash support and check out the merch section. You can support the Spun Today podcast by checking out my writing. You can go to spuntoday.com forward slash free writing and check out some of my free association writing, which is intended to be some cathartic free writing but oftentimes doubles down as motivation for myself and others. At spuntoday.com forward slash short stories, you can read a bunch of the different short stories that I've written and actually listen to the audiobook versions of those short stories there as well. Another way you can help support my writing is by going to spuntoday.com forward slash books and checking out what I have in store for sale. Digital copies are available in all formats whether it be Kindle, iBooks, or a different type of e-reader. You can also purchase paperback copies, if that's your preferred reading method. Currently available, I have my nonfiction, Make Way For You, which is a collection of freely written thoughts that were curated and put together as tips for getting out of your own way. Also available is my debut time travel novel, titled Fractal. Again, go to spuntoday.com forward slash books to show your support. Support the Spun Today podcast by following me on social at Spun Today on Twitter, at Spun Today on Instagram. Please also check out and like my Facebook page, facebook.com forward slash Spun Today, and subscribe to my YouTube page as well. On my YouTube page, not only will you get these full length episodes, but you'll also get to check out some chopped up clips and bonus content. To get to my YouTube page, just search Spun Today on YouTube or click on any of the YouTube icons on the footer of my website. Also, don't forget to rate and review this podcast wherever it is that you're listening. It really does help. The Spun Today newsletter is available to each and every one of my listeners absolutely for free. All you have to do is go to spuntoday.com forward slash subscribe and drop in your email address. What I'm going to do is brighten up everybody's least favorite day of the week by delivering five curated things within my weekly newsletter every Monday at noon. You're going to receive a photo of the week, a recommended podcast of the week. I listen to tons of podcasts from an array of varied interests. I cherry pick the very best ones so that you can check them out. I also share a video of the week, which can be anything from a tasty recipe to a dope rap battle to an enlightening TED talk. I also share a quote of the week. And finally, for my fellow wordsmiths out there, a word of the week, so that you can step up your vocab. Again, this curated list is yours absolutely free by going to spuntoday.com forward slash subscribe and dropping in your email address, and you can unsubscribe at any time. Again, go to spuntoday.com forward slash subscribe, 
drop in your email address and you'll get the very next one. If you want to help support the Sponsor Today podcast financially, you can do so by going to sponsoraycom forward slash support. Here you'll find a few different ways that you can do so. You can shop on Amazon, but first go to my website, sponsoraycom forward slash support, click on the Amazon banner, which will take you to Amazon's website where you do your shopping like you normally do. It will not cost you anything extra, but I will get credit for driving traffic to their website. Another cool way that you can help support this show is through Patreon, where you can set up reoccurring donations to my podcast, whether it be $1 per show, $2 per show, etc. And depending on how much you choose to pledge, you will receive some Patreon perks in return. Things like free writing pieces, free bookmarks, free digital copies of my books, etc. Again, my Patreon link can be found at spuntoday.com forward slash support. You can also set up similar reoccurring payments via my Ko-fi page. And if you want to send a one-time happiness bomb donation, if you will, you can do so via my PayPal link. Again, all of which can be found at spuntoday.com forward slash support. If you're a fellow creative, a cool way that you can help support the Spun Today podcast and actually be part of the podcast is by filling out my five-question questionnaire located at spuntoday.com forward slash questionnaire. Here you'll find the five open questions related to your craft, your art, what inspires you to create, what type of unrelated hobbies you're into, and what motivates you to get your work done. You can choose to remain anonymous or plug your website and your work. And once you submit your questionnaire, I read your responses on a future episode of the Spun Today podcast. It's completely free at no cost to you. And what I like to say about it is that if your responses could potentially spark inspiration in someone else, why not share that? spuntoday.com forward slash questionnaire. And as always, folks, substitute the mysticism with hard work and start taking steps in the general direction of your dreams. Thanks for listening. I love you, Aiden. I love you, Daddy. I love you, Grayson. I love you, Daddy.